You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Our players want to play, our coaches want to coach, and our fans want to watch. We're going to be able to do all these things now, and, and that's why it is a celebration. Uh, and I believe, uh, and, and very strongly, that the state of Nebraska, Nebraska needs football. And believe me, uh, in the world I live in, football needs Nebraska. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Unless you have been hiding in a bunker, which some of you may have been, um, the Big Ten Conference football is back, as you just heard uh, Bill Moose, the the league, announced on Wednesday morning, bright and early, uh, that they will be coming back with an eight-game schedule kicking off Friday, October 23rd, and Saturday, October 24th. It will be culminated by a week nine, a championship week on December 18th slash 19th, where teams will be slotted up one versus one, two versus two, three versus three, all the way down to seven versus seven. Um, So you will see nine games being played across the league. The only caveat, no fans, um, no bye weeks. So uh, you will play these games this year um, with zero fans other than a, a parents in attendance. I, I joked to somebody, though, for Nebraska, they've got 150 players on the roster, so they'll have an advantage by having the most parents in the crowd because they have the largest roster um, in the Big Ten Conference. But, guys, Robin Washett and Nate Klaus, we get football back. It has been a emotional, draining 30-plus days. We get it back, uh, but there's a lot of red tape, Robin, tied to getting football back still. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely a sense of relief and I'm sure joy to an extent that uh, there will be football played in some capacity uh, in the fall of 2020, which uh, you know, a few weeks ago it looked like there was absolutely no chance. So uh, that's the good news. Now the bad news is Nebraska and all the other re- members of the Big Ten are essentially going to have to walk through a minefield, so to speak, to try to make it from start to finish through this nine-game schedule that, uh, you know, hopefully they can. But, you know, there's it's a really fine line they're going to have to walk with the, the protocols and rules that have been put in place as far as, you know, the testing and, uh, you know, percentages of, of positive rates and, and all that stuff that they have to maintain in order to continue to play from a week-to-week basis. It's going to be tough, and it's going to be uh, stressful uh, for everyone involved uh, from now until the, the, the finish of the season. But now, I guess, bare minimum, at least we get a chance. They get to try to play, whereas before the Big Ten wasn't even going to provide that opportunity. Uh, at least they were able to uh, concede that they made the wrong decision, even though they won't admit it, uh, and now are giving you know Nebraska and everybody else a chance to at least attempt to play a 2020 fall football season. Yeah, that, that's the good news. Uh, but like you said, Robin, it, it, this is not going to be easy it, because there's zero room for error as we enter the you know this – uh, adjusted season, if you will, and, and the and the crazy thing about it is there's still five weeks until we play football. So we're sitting here five weeks from Saturday. Yeah, five weeks from Saturday. So we're sitting here talking about it, but I mean, and yeah, I'm excited as anybody to have football, but I'm tempering my expectations or my enthusiasm on this whole deal because I'm not convinced that that this is all going to go off without a hitch. I I, I feel like. 
Um, you know, I feel like everyone has kind of stacked the deck to make it so there is zero room for error. There's no bye weeks. There's there is you know with the testing um, that that everyone all the those requirements that everyone has to meet. There's very very little room for error before they pull the plug on this whole deal. And, and my fear is, and maybe it's just me being pessimistic with the way this whole thing's been handled. But my fear is that they say, well, okay, well this is not going to work, but we tried. So maybe next year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. And, yes, yeah, some of these testing uh, regiments are, are very, very um, complicated, Robin. I know you broke it down, um, the positivity rates in a community, the positivity rates in a locker room. Now, the, the daily testing won't go into effect until September 30th. A lot of that is the Big Ten doesn't have the program fully secured. Kevin Warren was asked which program the Big Ten has used, and he didn't answer the question. Uh, shocker. He was asked, asked directly yeah, shocker. that and skirted the issues. And, you know, there, there's some backstory to that. I mean, we know the White House offered that a couple of weeks ago. The Big Ten did not, the Detroit Free Press said the Big Ten did not want to take that because they didn't want the political attention um, by getting politics involved by taking that testing program. So they went out and got their own program. My question is Nebraska got their program on their own in a, in a few days. So Central Arkansas had a program. You, you just wonder why the Big Ten wasn't working feverishly on getting the rapid testing program back um, or getting something set up until really the Pac-12. Uh, I want to say it was not this Friday, but the Friday before the Pac-12 announced their program and then boom, the ball started rolling. Um, you know, that rapid testing was the way to go and that's the way to play football safely. Maybe it had to do with just the volume of tests needed because it's not just football that gets it. It's every All fall athletes. sports. And so maybe that number was, you know, a bigger chunk than uh, they, they could get on hand. But anyway, that's, that's just a hypothetical. But back to the uh, positivity rates and things that they're going to really be monitoring from a week to week basis. You mentioned there's two, two separate categories. There's the team positivity rate, which is, um, I think just players and coaches, anybody that's going to be on the practice or game field, uh, on a given day. And so for them to be good, it's, you know, 2% or less for them to be, uh, in the orange, so to speak, which, uh, they have to quote, proceed with caution and enhance COVID prevention, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to to prevent liability, uh, that goes from two percent to five percent uh, for a team positivity rate. And if you're above five percent, then you're in the red. And if you're in the red, the dreaded red, you must stop regular season practice and competition for a minimum of seven days and reassess metrics until improved. That's pretty ambiguous because I mean, who, what does that mean? Until improved uh, under under whose evaluation? And so. That's a really scary thing about this whole deal where not only uh, do you have that situation where if you get a, a player uh, team positivity rate above 5%, which I think we did the math on 150-man roster. About seven guys. About seven or eight guys, and somewhere in between there. That's not a lot when you, when you think about it. So there's a really high risk of that happening. Uh, but then any player that tests positive is out a minimum of 21 days, two weeks for the, the normal quarantine, and then another seven days to reacclimate back into, into football. So in a nine-game season, one positive test eliminates you for a third of the year. Think about Adrian Martinez exactly. or a key guy. It's a huge deal. So, I mean, that's a major risk that we're facing here. And so then then there's the population positivity rate. Which, which I don't agree with this at all. Yeah, no. they, they clarified that it's not like the what Lincoln's numbers are. Because like the prisoners just got tested, right. and that, that drove the rate up. So does that factor right. into this? Ronnie Green clarified that it was about like just your, your, campus. your campus. Yeah, basically your your, your – campus population where it goes beyond 
the people that are at practice and at games. It goes to your your academic staff and, and all that stuff. Basically, anyone that has interaction with your players. The, those numbers are given a little bit more leeway, obviously. Uh, so to get in the red, that's 7.5% or above. So really still not that much more wiggle room when you think about it. So, I mean, this is going to be very difficult. And how transparent will they be exactly. with that data and those numbers? And how, how can you like accurately track that and, and know that that's what the the rate is like you're going to require i mean I, I guess i just don't understand like if you have seven well, and then there's the risk of false positives look what the nfl did yeah. remember when they had that run of false positives and guys were <laughs> supposed to be out okay so a false positive now is so all of a sudden the guy's out three weeks or misses a game you know i mean <laughs> there, there's a, a, such a slippery can you slope. test out of a false positive so let's say you test falsely positive yeah. then and you, how many positive false how many positive or negative tests do you need to counter Test out of it. a positive two test? days in a row? Yeah. So I mean, what what happens if your false positive comes up on Friday? You know, like are they gonna? There's just so many questions that we won't know the answer and, to, and it's going to be a constant battle just to get a team together uh, from Monday to Saturday. And you hope you have a good relationship with whoever your testing person is, because that guy has the keys to your program no for, the, for yeah. the next nine weeks. No um, whoever the lab coat guy that the Big Ten sends to you. And someone tells me Kevin Warren's not going to give Scott Frost <laughs> the, the nicest lab coat guy in Lincoln. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm like Nate. You know, I'm, I'm happy there's football. I'm, you know, just glad that this is finally – I guess but we're not now there yet. over, but this battle has only just begun. Now we're into the next phase of, okay, you got your chance. Now, how are you actually going to pull this off? And right now there just are a lot of landmines in front of you from start to finish. Yeah. I, I just, I hate, I hate feeling negative or, or, and I don't want to be negative about this. I'm, it's hard not to be. It's 2020. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, thank God the 2021 is, is, uh, in, you know, in, in sight here, but, um, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying not to get overly, uh, amped up about this. I, I'm, you know, I'm taking it one day at a time. I, to me, the, maybe the most thing, you know, the thing I'm most, uh, excited about is the fact that we have something concrete to at least talk about now, something we're not just speculating like, well, um, we said that back in August. Too. Yeah, I know <laughs> we, 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 we were saying that for about 24, 48 hours or whatever it was, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the case going forward here, uh, for the next few months as we actually have something concrete to talk about. Yeah, you just think about August, they had a schedule that was 10 games over 16 weeks. And here we are now they're going to play nine games in yeah. nine weeks. It was full of flexibility and yeah. the ability to, to actually like give yourself a chance to uh, handle hiccups along the way. Now you have a schedule that has zero room for error where Worth. games will be forfeited and you give yourself no chance to make up those games and still remain part of the college football playoff equation. And why? Yeah. And for no reason. Like, no, Absolutely. Yeah, no there reason. is no reason. Like no one. There's no there's absolutely no reason why. I mean, at this point, you hope a lot of your key guys have had COVID because you'll be able to get through this a lot easier because uh, there's only been one known person in the world or the U.S. that's gotten COVID twice. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you've had it, which who knows what that data is for each college football team right now, but you heard Ed Orgeron say, uh, we think most of our guys have had it. Um, <laughs> that's my best coach O for you. That's good. That was um, pretty good. That got people fired up, but I think you know you're going to see um, some of these Big Ten teams. I'll be curious too, guys like the Purdue's, the Jeff Brahms, who were really pushing this winter plan, the PJ Flex, who really were Rutgers. against it. There are going to be some teams that aren't ready to play, no. 
And part of it to me, why we're playing on the 24th versus the 17th, I think there were, and we're going to get more into this, but there were some concessions that had to be made to play. And I think one of them was no fans because, and we'll talk more about that later in the show, um, Nebraska would put 40,000 in there by November. And that's a competitive advantage because there's other states that either can't do that or uh, don't want to do that. And then the other thing is some teams aren't prepared to play. So they had to go an additional week for those teams where in a perfect world, I would have liked to have seen a group of teams start on the 17th and give them the 24th off. And then a group of teams start on the 24th. Um, That would have at least given the league another week of inventory, but we can get into that more. Guys, I'm going to bring in Glenn Snodgrass, though, next. Um, he has been really big behind the scenes, pushing uh, the parent movement. 12 of 14 Big Ten parents groups uh, led the charge. We're going to talk more to Glenn about what this meant for them getting Big Ten conference football back. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. <laughs> 